the last day in Leviticus. Mm -hmm. I, I know it's a sorrowful day. I know, actually, there's been a lot of good moments here yeah, throughout this book. Yeah, there was good, good stuff in here. And, it um, definitely is hard, again, because it'd be like hard reading an encyclopedia or a dictionary. That's right. This is intended to be a reference book, but we, we made it through, and you through. all stuck and with you us. stuck with it, so I do have to hand it to you for yep. that. Well, here we go, Leviticus chapter 27. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior, and I didn't and, really give a hook. Yeah, that's fine. That's all right. We'll just I'll jump start, right in. I'll start reading verse yeah. 1. Can I start? Am I okay with you? I'll allow it. All right. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If anyone makes a special vow to dedicate someone to the Lord by paying the value of that person, here's the scale of the values to be used. I'm not even sure what this is about. Here, dedicating someone to the Lord by paying the value of that person. I, I'm not sure what that's about. Is it like with, remember when Hannah had Samuel? Uh, maybe. And dedicated him to the Lord, yeah, maybe? Yeah, maybe. And maybe the value like a, of that person is the cost of that of that person living in the tabernacle among yeah, the Levites or something. So, yeah. Well, a man between the ages of 20 and 60 is valued at 50 shekels of silver as measured by the sanctuary shekel. A woman of that age is valued at 30 shekels of silver. A boy between the ages of 5 and 20 is valued at 20 shekels of silver. A girl of that age is valued at 10 shekels of silver. A boy between the ages of one month and five years is valued at five shekels of silver. A girl of that age is valued at three shekels of silver. A man older than 60 is valued at 15 shekels of silver. A woman of that age is valued at 10 shekels of silver. If you desire to make such a vow but cannot afford to pay the required amount, take the person to the priest. He will determine the amount for you to pay based on what you can afford. And... uh I hope you took notes on all that, who, yeah. what everybody is worth. Uh, I, th I mean, I think that being removed not only from the law itself, but also from the culture within which it was contained makes it difficult for us. Yeah. This is where I would definitely pull a commentary out or a good study Bible and just uh, see what I could figure out about that. All right, verse 9. If your vow involves giving an animal that is acceptable as an offering to the Lord, any gift to the Lord will be considered holy. You may not exchange or substitute it for another animal, neither a good animal or a bad one or a bad animal for a good one. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy. If your vow involves an unclean animal, one that is not acceptable as an offering to the Lord, then you must bring the animal to the priest. He will assess its value and his assessment will be final, whether high or low. If you want to buy back the animal, you must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%, I imagine, because it's unclean. If someone dedicates a house to the Lord, the priest will come to assess its value. The priest's assessment will be final, whether high or low. We talked about this just before we began. I mean, you saw this just in kind of um, glancing at the text and what that means. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think it, there's a good chance that it could be that they were giving, you know. And we have one question that came in this last week was, how come it's talking about these houses, these brick and mortar houses when they were still traveling through the wilderness, and I think there's a couple of answers to that. Well, I yeah, you, I'd responded you, you to responded. that, but I didn't reply all, did I? No, so you. I didn't I'm see sorry. your... How did you reply? So verse 33 in that chapter, though, it says, when you go into the land of Canaan. Oh, so well, it's when, they, it. when sure. they settle. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So this is for the future. Yeah. Anyway, if the person who dedicated the house wants to buy it back, he must... Is that where I was at? Yeah. Uh, the value set by the priest plus 20%, then the house will again be his. If someone dedicates to the Lord a piece of his family property, its value will be assessed according to the amount required to plant it. Fifty shekels for a field planted with five bushels of barley seed. 
the field is dedicated to the Lord in the year of Jubilee, then the entire assessment will apply. But if the field is dedicated after the year of Jubilee, which was every 49 years, the, the priest will assess the land's value in proportion to the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. Its assessed value is reduced each year. <laughs> I'm trying to find stuff on this, Dad. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was even looking at, so Brittany works with us. Yeah. And she looks up this stuff too. It was like, poor girl's like, she couldn't really find much on <laughs> this as well. I mean, this is like, this is... This is deep stuff here. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if I'd call it deep. It's just, you know, well, very Well, the cultural. scholars aren't even, yes, and sometimes things can be so specific for a culture that the rest of us aren't going to be able to figure it out. And that's okay, because it, it was intended for them. You want to pick up in verse uh, 19? Yeah, verse 19 says, If a person dedicated the field wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%, and the field will, again, be legally his. But if he does not want to buy it back and it is sold to someone else, the field can no longer be bought back. When the field is released in the year of Jubilee, it will be holy. A field specially set apart for the Lord, it will become the property of the priest. If someone dedicates to the Lord a field he has purchased, but which is not part of his family property, the priest will assess its value based on the number of years left on the next year of Jubilee. And that day he will give the assessed value of the land as a sacred donation to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field must be returned to the person from whom he purchased it, the one who inherited it as a family property. All the payments must be measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 garas. And it's just interesting that uh, spelling out the details of making donations for God's work. And I mean, you have to remember, it was an entire tribe of the Israelites, and it was a sizable tribe, the tribe of the Levites. You're talking about probably a tenth the population of Israel that it took to operate that whole worship system. Yeah. And so they also had to have their sustenance. And this right. is part of what would happen. They would donate some of the land, and then that land would be used for farming and, and for their income as well as for their food. Verse 26 says, you may not dedicate a firstborn animal to the Lord for the firstborn of your cattle, sheep, and goats already belong to him. However, you may buy back the firstborn of a ceremonially unclean animal by paying the priest's assessment of its worth plus 20%. If you do not want it back, the priest will sell it as an assessed, at its assessed value. However, anything specifically or specially set apart for the Lord, whether a person or an animal, a family property must never be sold or bought back. Anything devoted in this way has been set apart as holy and it belongs to the Lord. No person specially set apart for destruction may be bought back. Such a person must be put to death. One tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Count off every tenth animal from your herd and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals, and you may not substitute one for another. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought mm. back. These are the commands the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Right, and it just goes to show, you know, this last chapter, just to kind of sum it up, this is all instruction for generosity. Mm -hmm. This shows that God cares that we are generous. Yeah, And how we're generous, how we go about being generous, it really, it really does matter. Yeah. I think of people who have been very, very generous with me in our church community mm -hmm. and just how that is inspiring. Yeah. I think of what the generosity of my family, there have been, you know, major times of growth for us as a family, where mm -hmm. it's just been like, we're going to be sacrificial, we're going to give more than we have been. Mm -hmm. Like there's just something to generosity and God knows that. It's why he commands us yeah. to be generous. Well, and it's just the blessing that it is to the generous person 
just that act of letting go, there's such freedom that yeah. is found in that. That's right. Well, uh, Psalm 90, I think we've got uh, three different Psalms, if, it, if I remember correctly, Psalm 94, 95, and 96, I believe. In, uh, in the heart of that, in Psalm 94, verse 20, I love this rhetorical question that David asked. Can unjust leaders claim that God is on their side? Leaders are permitted injustice by their laws. You know, the, the obvious answer is no. You, you, and you shouldn't care so much as to whether or not you've got God on your side as much as you should care that you're on God's side because an unjust leader is obviously not on God's side. They're not doing things God's way. They attack the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. That is the definition of injustice. Yeah. And then he just concludes by saying, but the Lord is my fortress. My God is a mighty rock where I can hide. So no matter what other people are going to be like, I know that I can trust in God and he is my rock. So good. So what day is it today? National Pet Day is ah, today. Okay. So well, you got a pet. Enjoy your pet. Yeah. It's a good dog. I'll say this though, because we've talked about this on the podcast. Uh -huh. It's not okay to be mean to animals. We have no. that in scripture yep. clearly laid out. Mm -hmm. Also, don't be that annoying person who just like doesn't stop talking about their animal and <laughs> treats them like a child. Yeah, please don't put right. your animal in a stroller. No, your, your pet is not your children. In no. fact, it's actually sometimes offensive to people when you say, oh, I, you know. I'm, they're my children. Yeah, yeah. no, they're it's not. very different. They're, they're not your they're, children, they're no, your pet. They're not creating the image of God, but they are very special. Yeah. And you can love them. And we always had, we always had pets that we loved. We don't, after our last two dogs uh, had to, you know, had to be, put down. It was, uh, man, I cried like a baby. It was really hard, but we, mom and I haven't gotten pets since then, partly because it was so hard, but the other part is, is, you know, with grandkids and desire to travel with a, another child living down in New Orleans, uh, the pets do kind of keep yeah. you, keep right. you trapped. <laughs> well, I'll send my dog over for you to enjoy today. Oh, we How love the grand dog, you bet. <laughs> oh, that's almost like saying they're like children, isn't it? The grand dog. <laughs> All right. Hey, make it a good day. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.